Hello, America, and to all of our listeners all over the world. You're listening to yet another exciting edition of Let's Weekend. I'm your host, my friend Perkins. Joining me as always is Chris Sologi. Say hi to the good people, Chris. Hello. Yeah, so um, this week's episode is going to be for February 4th, uh, 2023. And uh, in case you're wondering, uh, yeah, the, 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 the balloon is not up there anymore. Um, it's, uh, it's, uh, it, it's been downed. So can we all please stop fucking talking about it? I'm sticking here. The GOP is going to vote for it for 2024. Yeah, I'm I'm sick of hearing about the fucking balloon. I swear. I, anyway, anyway, that's honestly, although that was like a big story this week, it's not the only thing we got here. Um, honestly, it's really even the biggest thing we've got here. Um, but for some reason, this stupid balloon just everybody was obsessed with it. But anyway, um, so yeah, uh, this week, uh, among other things, we learned that Exxon is just rolling in an obscene amount of cash because, of course, they are. Um, the uh, GOP is currently holding our debt ceiling hostage again. Um, we've also, uh, Found out what uh, former Brazilian President Jair Bolsonaro is maybe planning to do. Um, and uh, it's pretty much what you would expect him to be doing. And, of course, we got uh, just a buttload of entertainment-related stuff. All this and, of course, more George Santos stories because that guy is just, a, just an unending fountain of journalistic uh, source for amusement. Just goddamn. Um, but yeah, so before we uh, get started with the normal stuff like we always do, we always start off with all the things we've been doing leading us up to this po- point in the week. So, Chris, start us off. What have you been doing this week? Just dealing with everything. Uh, the weather is really nice right now, and then it's below freezing. Yeah. I've uh, been like that for the past couple of days. I woke up. Just saying, 14 degrees feels like zero. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that seems like what it should be. Yeah. Uh, but I think we're on the, the upward trend now, so mm-hmm. that'll be all right from here on out. But, yeah, I've been watching some stuff uh, on Netflix and whatnot. Uh, finished up Extraordinary Attorney Wu. Yeah. Uh, uh, that was my first, like, more traditional K-drama. Yeah. And the closer you get to the end, the... It goes all the way to 11 and then beyond Yep, uh, with drama uh, and all that and comes to a pretty good conclusion. Mm-hmm. Sets up for a season two. Yeah. Uh, I think the, the only issue I've seen is that one of the uh, main characters seems to be going into their military service mm-hmm. uh, late last year. So yeah, they're probably not going to show up. Yeah. The season. For those of you who don't know, uh, in South Korea, every uh, able-bodied man, uh, young man, and I think women too, or at least to a lesser extent, uh, at a certain age, they're required by law to enter into a temporary bit of military service. Because, you know, technically the the conflict between North and South Korea is still more or less on hold. Um. But yeah, so like for example, a bunch of a bunch of some of the dudes that like in BTS have had to do that. Yeah, being big stars doesn't get you out of it. Nope. 
you can delay it, but mm-hmm. got to do it at some point. Yeah, that's like a that's kind of like what they do, like in Israel too. Like, uh, basically everybody in the country has to have like some form of like military training. Um, but uh, yeah. So, I, I, anybody who's wondering, it's like, damn, the Koreans have been knocking shit like out out of the park, like left, right, and center. Because we got this, we got Squid Game. You know, we had all the other stuff, Parasite. Uh, that's just because we don't watch all of the, don't get all of the shitty K-dramas that they get over there. You know, the ones that have Subway in them for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's their form of our shitty soap operas. Oh, yeah. But just with more obvious corporate branding. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that was fun time. Uh Looking forward to a season two for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, started watching and finished Lookism, mm-hmm. which is a Korean anime mm-hmm. uh, based off of like a, a webtoon. Yeah, uh, about a high school kid who gets relentlessly bullied, mm-hmm. uh, convinces his mom to let him transfer to another school. Yeah. Uh, it's not nearby, so he kind of has to move out onto his own mm-hmm. to deal with that. Gets bullied like his first time out and about uh, before starting there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then seemingly wakes up uh, overnight in a new body. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is, whereas he is kind of overweight and nerdy looking and all that. Yeah. Uh, the new body is, you know, very hot and. Uh, attractive, skinny, all that great shape and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And sort of figures out that, you know, when he goes to uh, sleep, uh, he swaps bodies. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, like, his his soul, his, his being is seemingly awake 24-7, but uh, the bodies uh, have to rest at some point because they, they will physically you know, run out of energy themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, and kind of a weird thing. So he goes to this new school and this new body uh, becomes very popular, but also it's it's a school of uh, a lot of, not about bullies, but a lot of hot-headed people like cliques and all this mm-hmm. um, that like to fight. And starts fighting dudes and realizes he has incredible skills for that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and seemingly like wins over people that were very uh, angry at him initially over things. And he was dealing with the idea of, you know, being in his two forms mm-hmm. and sort of tries to use his, you know, popular form uh, for good to help out mm-hmm. other kids that are like him. They were also getting bullied, uh, that kind of stuff. And it's only eight episodes, so it's pretty quick to get through. Um, but it's a, it's a fun show. I don't know if they're mm. going to do more, but uh, they could do some some more cool stuff with that. It has mm. a really good intro. Um, I forget what the the artist is that was tied to it. It's kind of mm. a kind of a bit of like K-pop, K-rap kind of thing. Mm. Um, so there's that. Uh, finished up what we do in the shadows. Mm-hmm. Uh, season four. Where that basically ends like 
uh, them being like, all right, we're back to where we were. Because mm. a lot of what they've been doing the past two seasons has been a lot of upheaval in terms of what their characters are doing. Um, mm-hmm. And like higher social statuses and all this other stuff. Uh, and maybe a certain character uh, dies or something and then mm-hmm. gets reborn. And so they're trying to, you know, uh, one of the, the others is trying to raise them to be a different person. Mm-hmm. And then at a certain point realize like, oh, there's no point in this. They're going to become whatever they're going to become uh, kind of thing. And yeah, there's some real fun bits. Like say their house is kind of a mess and they, for one episode, get on one of those house makeover shows mm-hmm. uh, featuring the Sklar brothers. Uh, where they end up killing one of them mm-hmm. uh, unexpectedly. Uh, so there's a lot of fun stuff with that. So, yeah, it's a fun, fun series, fun season. I uh, look forward to more of that. Uh, also been watching some Trigger or Trigon, uh, the original, not the new mm-hmm. show. Because uh, it's, a, it's a show I've liked, but not really been able to keep that interest in it beyond like the first like 10, 12 episodes, mm-hmm. whatever, when things start getting really dramatic uh, and higher stakes is like where it usually uh, leaves me behind. Mm. So I'm trying to push through that. I'm on like episode eight or nine, whatever the, the train episode. Uh, so kind of work my way through that. And having seen the show enough at this point, uh, I've, I think I'm at the point where the intro theme is bad. The outro theme is really good. Because uh, the intro theme is literally just a guy yelling every 20 seconds as a guitar is riffing. Mm-hmm. And I think there's not like any music to it. <laughs> it's just like, here's a guitar and then a guy like yelling for half mm-hmm. a second. It's like, this isn't music. <laughs> uh uh, especially compared to some of the other stuff I've been watching. Mm. Uh, but yeah, I forgot to put this on, but another one I've been watching is Case Closed, The Culprit Hanzawa. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a spinoff of the Detective Conan series. Mm. Um, but instead of you know featuring Conan or you know Jimmy or uh, whatever, it features, you know, they show like the mysterious bad guys are like, cloaked in black mm-hmm. uh, kind of thing. It's Hanzawa is that mm-hmm. uh, moves to uh, Baker city to uh, murder somebody. That's mm. their, their life goal. Uh, sort of moving out of their parents' house, uh, moves to the city. He wants to murder somebody, mm. uh, presumably Jimmy Kudo. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, it's 12 episodes are about like, Eight to ten episodes, uh, ten minutes each. So pretty quick. Uh, it's on Netflix. It is a very silly spoof show of the Detective Conan Case Closed series, mm-hmm. uh, uh, as he has this goal to, you know, get settled and then kill Jimmy Kudo. Mm-hmm. And there's something that happens very silly to throw him off his plan. Uh, so like the first one's like, ah, oh, he's moved to a new city. And he needs a place to live. Mm. And every apartment that he goes to, 
It's like, oh, this is a good deal. What's wrong? Are they trying to screw me? Uh, he's very paranoid and then finds out like, oh, this, this big murder happened here. Because, you know, there's been so many episodes of Case Closed, so many murders solved. That there's no no property left in the city that hasn't had a, a major murder happen in it. And he gets turned off every single time. He just wants a normal apartment mm-hmm. kind of thing. And, uh, you know, second episode finds an apartment. Uh, but then his, his roommate uh, ends up trying to kill somebody and gets taken down by Conan mm. uh, and arrested. Uh, so he's out of a, a living place again. Mm. Uh, you know, last kind of stuff. I think the third episode, he's like, well, I'm living in a new place, so I got to get my address changed at the uh, at City Hall. Mm. And does that. They're like, oh, you want to get your driver's license changed with the new address? He's like, yeah. They send him over to the police station next door, to which is a never-ending because it's a city where crime is constantly happening. So nobody that's waiting for line ever progresses mm-hmm. because the cops are always busy arresting new criminals. Uh, you know, it's constantly all this. You know, trying to get a job, and uh, then maybe by the end of the season, he's finally like, "Oh, I've got everything settled now. I can go kill this person," and thinks they found him, and maybe it's not that person. Mm. Uh, it's always some silly thing that happens. Uh, very hilarious. Very fun. Definitely worth watching if you like Case Closed. Or even mm-hmm. if you just like uh, something that's spoofing off of that stuff. A lot mm. of those characters show up. Yeah. Uh, yeah, one time he's trying to get money for rent. Uh, he works for the the, gra- the grandpa that makes tools for Conan. Because yeah. apparently him tranking the detective constantly... <laughs> Yeah. He's grown a tolerance to the tranquilizer. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, oh, we got to test new ones. Uh, and they're like, we got to try it on somebody that's not used to it. Uh, so he he then does that and then wakes up three weeks later mm-hmm. uh, being very concerned because he's, you know, at the point where he needs to pay up his rent and realizes uh, this is one of his roommates is like, if you don't pay your rent, I'm going to kill you. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a very fun series, very silly, uh, and it's not terribly long. It's like maybe about two hours total uh, for that. So that's definitely worth. It has a great intro uh, and outro. So that's always a good bonus to it. So yeah, there's that uh, for games. I've been playing Trigger Witch. Uh, got on sale for six bucks. Uh, came out last year. It is basically. Uh, what if you had a game like A Link to the Past, but uh, with a witch that is a gun-toting, you know, killer? Uh, so you initially start, you know, same kind of thing, waking up in bed, uh, and you go out, and it's like, oh, we got to go through the gauntlet. Uh, it's like the training to join the CLIP, which is the uh, the big association of, you know, gun witches. Mm-hmm. Uh, all that kind of stuff, and you go through that's basically your tutorial, yeah. Uh, through that, and it's basically a dual stick shooter. Mm-hmm. Uh, you initially start with a pistol, and it's uh, eventually like gives you more guns. You get in, you know, an AK 47 style gun. Uh, what else? I get an Uzi. Uh, let's see, I have a f- flamethrower currently, it had a, a big like. RPG uh, gun, uh, that kind of stuff, and they all serve different purposes. But yeah, you get out your 
initial thing, and it's like, ah, oh, the there's this bad guy or something that seems to have gotten through the big barrier between you know uh, the human uh, area and the like imp area. I forget. Uh, and so they send you off to uh, the three dungeons nearby to take mm-hmm. care of things, and it gets some little silly stuff, but also just it's a fun game. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only really issues I have is sometimes it's really easy to uh, lose track of where you need to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's in one of the dungeons. I needed a key to progress in this. Uh, it was a three-floor area. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second floor, I could only get far enough to uh, just handle out the, the immediate area. Mm-hmm. There's a locked There's a locked door and another one that was encased in some material I can't break. So I had to uh, look around, and I gave up, because I was like, I couldn't figure out where this was, and apparently it was a, mm-hmm. a little door that opened up when I killed a bunch of enemies in it, and then I didn't notice that the door had opened up. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it took a while for me to realize that, but uh, I was able to pop out and go to one of the other dungeons and complete that. Uh, but yeah, liking that a lot. Uh, it gives out a lot of trophies too. I have like 21 already out of 58, so uh, it pops them out pretty quick. Uh, mm. and the other game I've been playing, just as the usual Rocket League, uh, I've been playing more of that. Uh, finished up mostly what I wanted to do with the the event that's going on. That's for a few more days, so mm-hmm. that's been pretty much it for me. How about you, Brandon? Uh, well, as for me, my gaming has largely been consumed by Persona 4 Golden. Um, I'm just about at the point where my party is completely together. I'm on, uh, I'm in the uh, dungeon that is, uh, and that is Naoto's dungeon. Um, Naoto, of course, is the, what, at least what you think at first, is the guy that uh, Kanji keeps hanging out with. And basically, he's like a boy detective. Um, who is uh, sort of like uh, pulled into, you know, gets hired on to try and find out who the killer in in Enaba is. Um, Because, as you know, as anybody who plays Persona 4 knows, the big sort of plot thing there is that this serial killer started showing up, and they started, like, disappearing them, and then they would show up again, your corpse would show up again a couple days later, and you find out it's got something to do with this world that's connected to the televisions and all this stuff and it's a lot of fun you know this is actually probably right around the point i stopped playing the game back then because uh the copy i had the second disc was defective so i wasn't really able to go much further but basically um you know still making really good progress on that and you know, despite what my initial complaint was when I started, because it was the same issue I had when I originally played the game, the game kind of takes its time getting its stuff put together because, you know, setting itself up. Um, because anybody who played Persona 5, they nip that problem in the bud real quick by throwing you into the action at the very beginning. Um, but once this game gets going, it goes at a pretty even keel. Um Especially when you get to the point where it's like, you know, you're having to sort of ma- do your time management and everything. And there's always something you can do to 
improve your stats or whatever, and you can always go back into the dungeons to grind and level up if you want to. Um, but yeah, and before anybody asks, yeah, I already know who the actual killer in the game is. It was spoiled for me years ago. <laughs> but um, yeah, so uh, that's pretty much as far as gaming concern. That's what I've been playing. Um, as far as other stuff goes, I have been watching the Last of Us TV series, uh, which, by the way, Chris, have you watched it? No. You really should. I've played the game. I know what happens. You would say, think that, you would think, I've already played this game. How could I possibly find myself enjoying this thing? You will. Because they basically, they somehow managed to take, you know, sort of the original story and they managed to improve on it in ways that are, frankly, kind of amazing. Um, they, like, really do sort of, you know, sort of give you a better idea of, like, how the disease managed to spread so fast. They actually explain, um, because it, if you remember in the game, you know, in the prologue section, you'll hear, like, over the radio and in the TV about a situation in Jakarta, in Indonesia. Well, here they explain that's actually where the disease, where the the thing started. Basically, a bunch of the cordyceps spores managed to get into the... Uh, flour and wheat supply. Um, for those who don't know, Indonesia is like one of the biggest, uh, you know, like one of the big bread baskets in Asia. And its stuff, you know, its flour and stuff gets shipped all over the world. And it basically says, yeah, so what happened is a bunch of those spores got into the flour. And if you eat enough of those spores, you basically become infected. And it then shows, like, the way that, why is it that, you know, Joel and Sarah and Tommy somehow managed to go through that whole day and not get infected? Well, they explain, because somehow, coincidentally, they managed to avoid all of the wheat and bread products that they were considering consuming. Like, they were going to have pancakes for breakfast, but they were out of pancake mix, uh, it was Joel's birthday, but he wanted a cake. They never got the cake. It just didn't happen. You know, stuff like that. Um, we also find out, like, Tommy is a Gulf War veteran. Uh, we find out... Uh, we also even get, like, in the second episode, there's a part where, in the prologue, they show, like, the on-the-ground thing that happens in the lead-up to the outbreak happening in Jakarta. Uh, there's this scientist who specializes in... Uh, specializes in that thing, she ends up getting picked up by a government, uh, by a military truck while she's eating lunch in a restaurant, and they take her to a secured area where she sees one of the handful of people who have been infected by the thing, and she actually, like, pulls out one of the fungi from their mouth, and it's, like, crawling and alive, and then when they have to take her into sort of a little area to discuss, like, what can we do about this? She basically, you can watch it on her face. She sees, like, the magnitude of what's fixing to happen slowly dawns in her. And she basically says, look, there's no medicine, there's no cure, there's no vaccine that we can use for this. And so, like, the military guy, like, all right, so then what are we supposed to do? And she says, bomb. Start bombing Jakarta. <laughs> And 
those are just first two episodes. The recent episode had to do with uh, Bill and Frank, which if any of you guys who play, you look like you said, yeah, you played the original game. You remember Bill, right? He was the survivalist dude that you run into earlier on in the game, who's like rigged like the entire neighborhood with booby traps. Yeah, yeah. Where you? Well, he's played by Nick Offerman in uh in this series, which funny enough is weirdly thematically accurate because this is 100% something that Ron Swanson would have done. But, yeah, they ended up uh, doing a little detour in the third episode to making probably one of the most touching, tear-inducing love stories you will ever see on television. And it is... It's amazing. The show is legitimately amazing. I already know all this stuff that's going to happen, and they have still managed to surprise me. You know, just throwing that out there. But, um, so, uh, what else? Uh, books, books, still reading, plenty of reading, um, and music. Um, nothing really major to share there. Um, but uh yeah, that's pretty much it. Uh do you want to add anything else before we move on? Oh. Um, alrighty then. Well, in that case, it's now time for everybody's favorite part of the show, Brandon's random factoid. Um so really quickly, um, Chris, I wanted to ask, uh, do you like Japanese food? I sushi was as all right. Yeah, sushi, yeah. Uh, have you ever been to, like, one of those, like, Benihana or, like, one of those Japanese steakhouses? No. No? I've been to a couple of those. I've always found kind of, honestly, a little meh. It's more about the show than the, the food. Yeah, well, it's the, we incorrectly call it hibachi. It's not actually hibachi. Uh, hibachi is a, actually like a, porcelain heating device what we think of as a uh as a uh you know like a bit like a like a type of thing you would get at a benihana is actually called a teppanyaki um which is like yeah it's that flat griddle thing that they use that thing a lot of the places like in japan if you go there they use them to do things to make like yakisoba or Mongolian barbecue, or okonomiyaki. Um, it's sort of like this weird thing of like where you're eating authentic, you know, Japanese cuisine when really it's like the American version of Chinese food. You know, it's inspired by Japanese cuisine. It's not really, you know, what you would consider like authentic Japanese cuisine. Um and which is kind of an insult to American Chinese food, because I actually consider that, you know, part of Chinese cuisine, just part of the diaspora, whereas the Benihana thing here is purely a corporate invention. But anyway, that's not, that's neither here nor there. Um, the point I'm bringing up is, um, obviously, anybody who likes Japanese culture, and Japanese pop culture especially, like we do, and, you know, likes, you know, eventually will encounter Japanese food and hopefully we'll come to enjoy it um they'll eventually discover that a lot of the food that especially you'll see like in anime 
is Japanese, but sort of in an off way because what we consider Japanese cuisine is very much a thing that has been more of a recent creation. Uh, and a lot of it, like Japan has its traditional Japanese cuisine, has no problem, but a lot of what we consider traditional Japanese fare actually has very recent uh, origins. Sushi, for instance. Uh, what we consider sushi today is only a couple hundred years old. It was originally, sushi was originally like a way of preserving fish by like, you know, re you know, covering it in fermented rice, you know. Um, and then eventually they came up with the idea, let's, uh, let's just put vinegar in the rice, all right? And then we can put the raw seafood and that's sort of how it came about. But I'm talking about another kind of Japanese cuisine. It's the type of Japanese cuisine that came into existence specifically after uh, the the uh, the uh, you know the the black ships of Commodore Perry you know made their appearance off the coast of Japan back in the 1800s, and Japan basically had to open up. And after the Meiji Restoration, which among other things abolished a lot of previous like culinary taboos that existed in Japan. This is a type of cooking that in Japan they call yashiku. And it's actually a kind of cooking that you will see a lot in especially Japanese anime because it's a very big part of a lot of modern Japanese home cooking. It also very often show up in like you know school lunches and everything. Um some of it is stuff that's vaguely familiar. It's often somewhat inspired by stuff that you would see in the Western world, but was adapted either to suit Japanese taste or because a lot some of the ingredients weren't around and they had to sort of make do with what they existed. So here's just sort of some of those. So of all of these, that's probably the one you'll see probably the most in Japanese anime is probably curry. Or curry rice, you know, curry rice. Um, basically, this is curry. And Chris, you've had curry, right? Yeah. Yeah, curry's good. It's amazing, you know, if it's made right. Um, but curry in Japan is the thing because it was introduced to them by the British Navy through India because... You know, once the the British Empire, you know, conquered India and colonized it, they started to sort of absorb sort of some of the food and stuff, dishes from India. And, of course, curry was one of them. Of course, in that case, curry was sort of like a generic catch-all term that often did not pay much respect to different culinary ideas. or That's not important. Anyway, this particular curry is how the Japanese discovered it. It was the curry that the British Navy used to make every week in their cafeterias. And at some point, the Japanese military and sort of Japanese officers and eventually Japanese families discovered this type of curry, which was already kind of a boulderized version of Indian curry. And then made it their own. So the type of curry that you would get in Japan, usually it has lots of vegetables like onions and carrots and potatoes. It'll usually have some kind of meat, you know, beef, pork, chicken, beef usually. 
Um, and it'll usually be made with a type of roux that is actually like extremely, it's actually literally so common. Like there are companies in Japan that sell like blocks of this roux, like almost like bullion cubes that can just be added to the pot. Um, it's it's like so common that it's gone from being like something that was once considered restaurant only fare to like a like evening staple of home cooking. Um, and th- th- there is a sort of a common misconception that because it's Japanese by way of the British, it's not spicy. Um, well, the base as it originally was is not spicy, but the Japanese much like pretty much everywhere else in the world over the last 15 years has started to grow an appreciation to spicy food. So these days it's actually very easy to find like genuinely spicy curry there. Um, so that's one. Uh, another one is something called cream stew, which do you remember um, you, you played super Mario Odyssey, right? Yeah. Okay, do you remember the food world? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Remember because there was like that huge like chicken that was like making its nest on like their enormous stew pot or whatever. Yeah. Uh so that enormous stew pot in that game was in fact making cream stew. Um it's a uh stew that usually use it's again, it's much like curry, it's a meat and vegetables based around onions, carrots, potatoes. It then uses a thick white roux that includes cream in it that's used as the base to make the broth. And it's typically heavily, like, seasoned with black pepper. Um, It can be very, uh, you know, mild. It can also be fairly spicy at times, too. Um, And if you remember, in the game, in that little area, you had to, like, constantly jump on, like, pieces of carrot and, like... Uh, you know, and potatoes in order to keep from like sinking into the broth. Um, so like that's another one. Um, karaoke, or as we all know them, croquettes. Um, you'll probably see these a lot in in anime. Usually they're just like it's usually like some kind of pork. Usually sometimes seafood or vegetables rolled up into little patties and then you know pan fried or baked. Um usually with some mashed potato or white sauce in it. Um, But then you start to get down to some of these others, like uh, Napoleton. Now, when I say the word Napoleton, what comes to your mind? Uh, Neapolitan? That's right. It is a form of spaghetti that is specific to Japan. And it is absolutely one of those things where it's like, this is something that was invented specifically in Japan because they did not have a bunch of the ingredients needed to use it. It's a soft-cooked spaghetti that is then uh, put into a sauce that is made of tomato ketchup with onion, butter, peppers, green pepper, sauces, bacon, and sometimes Tabasco sauce. One of the things about, about Yashku dishes is... You'll see ketchup show up in them a lot, again and again. And the reason is because, you know, shortly after the war, you know, food and certain foodstuffs were hard to come by. So 
whenever you needed some sort of tomato sauce, the one thing they had on hand, you know, they didn't have tomato puree. They rarely had like actual tomatoes, but they did have plenty of tomato ketchup because, you know, the American occupying military presence. So they would take the ketchup and they would try and, you know, season it up or dilute it or use something in some way so that they could uh, make it into something edible and presentable. Um, you can also see this happened over in the Philippines. Uh, anybody who's ever had Filipino spaghetti knows that they love to put uh, ketchup on Filipino spaghetti. Um, kind of the same reason, because, you know, the American military presence. And finally, the last two we'll work at is uh, Hambagu, which, as you can probably guess, that's Hamburg or Hamburg steak. Um, exactly what it sounds like. It's a hamburger steak. You've had them before. It's like super, super regular. And then there's rice. This is one of those things I've actually had before. And I had never, when I had first heard about it, I like, this sounds so weird. There is no reason this would taste good at all. rice is exactly what you think it sounds like. It's an omelet made with fried rice uh, that is wrapped in a thin sort of omelet of scrambled eggs, usually topped with, once again, ketchup. I've had this once before. I did not think I was going to like it. I loved it. It is one of those things where the concept sounds like it's going to completely fail, and then you actually taste it, and you're like, all right, I totally get it. <laughs> um, this is one of those things that's like also a huge part of, uh, especially if you're a child, it's a really popular like dish for children. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's even got a name, uh, Amu Akosamoranchi, which is a very common sort of thing that they'll serve uh, like in cafeterias in high schools and in elementary schools in Japan. Um, it's one of those things that is like, it should not work, but it does. Um, <laughs> and yeah, so, uh, that's Yashku, uh, Yashku. It's, uh, one of those sort of in, in the idiosyncrasies about Japanese cuisine. So much of Japanese culture, especially in the modern era, is them taking in influences from outside of the island and, sort of reflecting it back and making it their own. And that is very much what Yashku cooking is. So if you ever get a chance, try some of these dishes. You will not regret it, you know, as long as it's made well. You can also find some really shitty versions as well, because just like in everywhere else in the world, Japan also has its share of terrible cooks. <laughs> and that has been yet another installment of Brandon's Random Facts. All right. So with that out of the way, it is now time to move on. As always, to the show proper, and as with the show proper, we always start off with our assholes of the week. Get ready, because we got a few. Um, first and foremost, two of the top oil companies on the planet, Exxon and Shell. Exxon earned nearly $56 billion in profit last year, the biggest in any Western oil company has ever seen in history. Yep. Uh, that is... Huge, as mm -hmm. they, you know, profit off of the war in Ukraine. Yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, the Chevron even got $35 billion, uh, despite a disappointing fourth quarter. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, but they've been able to take advantage of this. You know, gas prices have gone up mm-hmm. quite a bit, uh, even though there's no real reason to. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like everything else, they can, so screw all the the people that need it. Yeah, it's true. And... Um... Of course, as far as like other uh, oil companies are concerned, well, they're not alone in just the obscene profits that they've been making because Shell, another one of the big oil companies, uh, actually had its best profits in its entire company history last year. Yeah, 115 years. Yep. Shell Oil's been around for a while. <laughs> yeah, they almost were almost at $40 billion. Mm-hmm. Uh, twice of what they had in 2021. Yep. Uh, it shows these companies are profiting off of the continued downfall of climate change. Yeah. Uh, they are. They seemingly know that mm-hmm. their time is going to run low on this stuff and mm-hmm. might as well get as much money as they can mm-hmm. uh, rather than, you know, investing into green energy and trying to build that up as a, Thing, though they're probably also doing both of those things. Yeah, they are. Um, one of the things I think the dirty secret about all the major oil companies is all of them have this sort of uh, stopgap thing where they're like, yeah, we're also putting a lot of money into green energy because we know that, you know, the well is r- quickly running dry. Yeah. And it's just uh, an Exxon, especially as a company that knew that climate change was a thing 50 mm-hmm. some years ago. Yeah, and, and have been lying to us about it. Ever. And they should definitely be taking the task for uh, hiding yeah. the the research that they did to mm-hmm. figure out that that was what was going on. Yeah, but uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, so Exxon and Shell, uh, go fuck yourselves. Uh, next up. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy, who has refused to agree to a clean debt ceiling increase. Yeah, that's uh, an increase without, you know, any uh, any sort of requirements mm-hmm. to do so, you know, uh, decreasing the money that, you know, Social Security and Medicare and all that kind of stuff gets mm-hmm. uh, any sort of catch there. Uh, yeah, the GOP in the House just does not give a shit. They want all the power for themselves. Mm-hmm. And they certainly have had a good display here for the past week as they've started doing their committee hearings. Mm-hmm. Uh, to which you had, you know, Marjorie Taylor Greene claiming that a school in Illinois mm-hmm. received $5.1 billion to teach CRT. Yeah, uh, I don't think a single school in the U.S. has gotten anywhere close to that amount of money. (laughs) And especially not for one thing. Yeah. But of course she's going to get away with saying stupid shit like that because uh, there's no consequences for that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, So, yeah, there you go. Um, So that's happening. Uh, And then we have another asshole of the week, which is the weather, because te- a Texas ice storm has left hundreds of thousands without power again. Yeah. We've gone through this shit before, and Governor Rabbit hasn't done jack squat about it. Yeah. It's 
not surprising. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it seems like yeah, it seems like he's finally issued a sto- uh, storm disaster dis- declaration for some counties. But mm-hmm. this is after a few days of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's been, I think, at least about ten people have died mm-hmm. in this storm, unfortunately. But mm-hmm. you had all that downtime between last winter and this one, and they didn't seem to do a whole much mm-hmm. to that. Uh, so yeah, they they should have voted him out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, finally, Asia's richest man, Gautam Adani, lost his title and nearly fifty billion dollars in just about ten days. Yeah. Uh, wow. This in yeah, Indian businessman. Uh, early January, only was the richest in Asia. He was the third richest person in the world, just a few billion shy of Elon Musk. But in the past week, has dropped several places on lists of the world's wealthiest people, kept by Forbes and Bloomberg. Mm-hmm. In a short span of less than ten days, his personal fortune has plummeted by close to fifty billion dollars, while his firms hemorrhaged around a hundred billion dollars in market value. Mm-hmm. Uh, the reason is because he has been accused of pulling the largest con in corporate history mm-hmm. by a U.S.-based short seller, a research firm that bets against Adani's stock prices. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hindenburg Research released a more than 100-page report alleging that Adani conglomerate has engaged in a brazen stock manipulation and accounting fraud scheme over the course of decades. Mm-hmm. Uh, they claimed that it was a lie. Uh, but yeah, the, the shares... Other stock tumbled uh, continuously. Uh, yeah, the Swiss investment banking company Credit Suisse has stopped accepting Indian conglomerates' bonds as collateral. The conglomerate on the same day also called off a massive 2.5 billion share sale. Mm-hmm. The move that further raised eyebrows from investors. Uh, so yeah, that's not having a great time, mm-hmm. especially as sort of a a leader of. India's business world. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you won't be too huge of a surprise that he has ties to uh, Narendra Modi. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it seems like this is going to be a big deal in the business world. They're going to look mm-hmm. more into the, all these various claims, see like mm-hmm. what what exactly has been going on. Yeah. But uh, fortunately, it wasn't all terrible because we did have some stuff that happened with our Heroes of the Week. The first is, both the GLB and uh, Joe Biden's critics were stunned as the U.S. added 517,000 jobs in January to continue the historic unemployment rate. Yeah, this... I think they are expecting maybe about a third of that. Mm-hmm. It was like 150,000 something. Yeah, something yeah. Like and, yeah, ended up getting... Over 500,000 in a way that has caused our employment rate to fall to 3.4%, mm-hmm. a level not seen since May of 1969. Mm. Uh, yeah, that's an incredible thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, great news for uh, the general U.S. economy. Mm-hmm. means the labor market is not shrinking or anything, despite all of these companies you know, laying people off. Mm-hmm. At in you know incredible rates to shore up for this supposed recession that seems like it's not going to happen. Yeah, especially not at the the scale that people uh, these companies were expecting. Mm-hmm. 
and we still have wages rising up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think even uh, inflation is at its first uh, month of negative growth. Mm-hmm. Uh, so even that is going down. So the uh, all of the criticism of you know Biden not doing anything about inflation, uh, any of this stuff, uh, it's all coming up mm. uh, as you know lies. Because mm-hmm. uh, you know Trump wouldn't do any of this shit. Yeah, that's why things crashed as soon as the COVID pandemic started happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, they didn't have any sort of plan for dealing with all of that, and yeah, Biden has. Now added a record 12.1 million jobs in 24 months. Mm-hmm. Uh, they'll probably be mentioning that in the State of the Week, State of the Union mm-hmm. address coming up here. I think this week coming up. Mm. So, you know, they got to the GOP got to do their their response speech. Uh, isn't it uh, what's your name from Arkansas? Yeah, Sarah Huckabee Sanders. Yeah, I was like, all right. Good luck with that. Yeah. One of the least uh, charismatic speakers they have. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah there you go. Yeah. Well, um, and then on top of that, uh, Bobby from Portugal has broken the nearly century-old record as the world's oldest dog. Yeah. Um, Bobby here is a 30-year-old Portuguese dog. Mm-hmm. Uh, purebred Rafero do, I was and just popped up. Uh, Rafero do Alentejo, mm-hmm. breed that has an average life expectancy of twelve to fourteen years. Uh, but this dog, at the moment, is thirty years and two hundred twenty-six days old, mm-hmm. and is doing pretty well for mm-hmm. his age. Uh, you can see pictures of him there. It seems like a a very good dog. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I guess nearly died early on as a puppy, mm-hmm. uh, but managed to survive and has lived on a full and healthy life. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, they had to go through and validate it with the Portuguese government's pet database. Uh, so that uh, helps them out to get the Guinness World Record as the world's oldest dog. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so uh, that is our we're now moving on to the proper show proper. And, of course, the first story for the proper show proper is, of course, that friggin' balloon. A mysterious Chinese balloon was shot down after floating over the U.S. for a few days. Um, yeah. And I have heard just about every freaking explanation of what this thing was. Was it a spy balloon? Was it a weather balloon? Was it even Chinese? Well, yeah. they popped it. Yep, it was, they basically shot it down over the Atlantic, so. Yeah, just off uh, off of Myrtle Beach. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that people that know what Myrtle Beach is knows that's very much an on-brand thing mm-hmm. to happen around there. Yep, I've that's been there. <laughs> very weird place. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I've, I've been there a couple of times, but yeah, um. So, yeah, um, this this friggin' balloon was just the subject of so much shit over this week. Uh, people were just like, why isn't he shitting it down yet? You know, it's like, well, you know, there's a possibility if it's, like, over a civilian area, it can fall and hurt someone or cause damage or... Yeah, whatever equipment is in there. 
Yeah. Um, then the fact it was like, you know, why is it flying over freaking nowhere's land in like Montana? Well, arguably it could be because we tend to have a bunch of old missile silos out there. Um, maybe. Um, and then of course it eventually just kind of started drifting and eventually it just, uh, people were like, what the hell is this thing for? Um, and they shot it down, and that was about the end of the story. So I guess we'll find yeah. out what this thing was in the coming days. As for yeah. the Chinese, yeah, as for the Chinese, they're, you know, obviously they kind of got egg on their face, and they're not really sure what the way they should spot. It's like, yeah, uh, no, this is a weather balloon. It uh, it blew off course. Could you please maybe stop bothering us with this? Um, yeah, right as uh, Anthony Blinken was going. Over there for a diplomatic Over to trip. Beijing, yeah, and he yeah. decided to delay it because of the balloon. Um, yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, it's gone now. You can stop talking about it. Yeah. And, um, of course, they had to warn people not to try to shoot it. Yeah, uh, not that they could because it's, like, above cloud level. Yeah, 60,000 feet. Which is like, yeah. no, you shoot up into the air, it's liable to just come down and hurt somebody. Yeah. Which nobody thinks about. But people have died as a result of that kind of shit. Oh, yeah. Uh, Yeah, you shoot a bullet in the air, it doesn't stay up there. It eventually comes down. Yeah. You know, know, Sir Isaac Newton told us about this shit years ago. But That's why when they're testing that kind of stuff, they do it out in the desert in Mm -hmm. Arizona and New Mexico. Yep. Um... So yeah, balloon is down, and I guess we'll find out what this thing is over the next couple days. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, outside of that, we have former president of Brazil Jair Bolsonaro, who has applied for a six-month visa to remain in the United States after his diplomatic visa res- expired. Um, yeah. I am hoping that he will be extradited very soon. Yeah, he deserves to. Uh, be held accountable. Yeah. Yeah, he left Brazil for Florida on December 30th, mm-hmm. two days before the inauguration of Lula mm-hmm. da Silva, and a week before his supporters rioted in Brasilia. Mm-hmm. Claim without evidence that Bolsonaro's re-election loss had been rigged. Mm. Which is like, no, they tried to rig it for themselves and mm-hmm. failed. Yep. Uh, yeah, most likely entered the U.S. on a special A-1 visa reserved for heads of state. Such a visa would have expired by default on Tuesday, 30 days after his presidential term ended. Mm-hmm. And yeah, uh, there's an immigration group that is representing him as an immigration client. The former president is seeking a six-month visa. Uh, he's still going to remain here while they you know, investigate his claim. Mm-hmm. Uh, which could still take months to do mm-hmm. because that stuff is way backed up. Mm. Uh, but yeah, he lost all legal immunity as a politician when his term ended on January 1st, so mm-hmm. we should yeah. ship him out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so um, after that, we, of course, got the unending just flow of hilarity that is George Santos. Uh, he recently announced that he was that he had stepped down from his committee assignments as well all his bullshit just keeps piling up yeah then the other day he's like 
I've learned my lesson. It's like, no, you haven't. Mm-hmm. If you learned your lesson, you would be resigning. Mm. Uh, but he has, you know, investigations going on about his finances, mm. his campaign finances, about potential violations of that. Uh, and then he showed up to uh, Congress the other day with an AR-15 pin instead of a U.S. flag pin on his jacket. Mm-hmm. I think him and Marjorie Taylor Greene and maybe some others had it on them. Mm-hmm. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, that's great. Mm, fantastic. Mm. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that happened. And uh, then just to cap that off of just awful shit, the House voted to remove Representative Ilhan Omar from the Foreign Affairs Committee. And let's be completely clear here. There, There's one reason they did it, and it's because she does not fit their particular, you know, ethno-religious mold. Oh, yeah. AOC called them out for it. Yep. Uh, in a great rage-filled speech. Mm-hmm. Uh, but did you see the other part of this whole thing? Mm-hmm. It was a a thing to denounce socialism. Mm-hmm. Which was just a grandstanding thing. Mm-hmm. To which then they posted like a list of a hundred Democrats that did not vote against it. Mm-hmm. Or yeah, did not vote to denounce socialism. Mm-hmm. It was like great job not standing up to these people. It's this is literally all they're doing. Yeah. It's just all this stuff to be able to twist it into well look, these guys support socialism. Mm-hmm. It's like, what do you think Social Security and the post office and all this stuff is Yeah, in the government? It's all it's, social programs. Yeah, it's a desperation move on their part because uh, the S-word doesn't really have the type of taboo energy to it that it did years ago. And now um, their time's running out. Yeah. That's just, that's all of it. That's it. They've, you know, the the fire has been caught. and way to put it out now. <laughs> um, yeah, at least you got Biden who the other day was saying like, listen, if they send in these stupid bills to me on my mm-hmm. desk, I'm not signing them. Mm-hmm. As he should. Uh, yeah. I don't think they'll even get past the, the Senate. Any of this stuff. So, mm-hmm. But uh, anyway. Next up in just, man, I am realizing just how much fun it's going to be when it happens. Nikki Haley is set to announce a 2024 presidential run that will surely go absolutely fucking nowhere. Yeah, nobody gives a shit about her. No, it's just, it's not happening, Nikki. Even if she's, you know, technically a person of color. Yeah. She does not. Even though she does everything she possibly can to hide it. Yeah, she just has no anything interesting to what she the, has no charisma. She doesn't really have any idea. Yeah, no positions or anything that anybody mm-hmm. cares about. Yeah. The only time anybody gave a shit about her was when she was the governor of South Carolina mm-hmm. uh, trying to fight against them taking down the Confederate flags. Yeah. From outside of uh, the governor's mansion. Yeah. Um, but, uh,. It just made me realize, man, the freaking Republican primaries are going to be a goddamn bloodbath. Yeah, unfortunately, it'll just be all Nazi shit. Who can be the biggest yeah. Nazi? Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, we'll see it when it happens. Um, 
Next up, Amazon reported its first unprofitable year since 2014 after a big investment in Rivian. Yeah, Rivian is the electric car company. Yeah. Uh, they took a 20% stake in it. Mm-hmm. And has begun rolling out the car makers' electric delivery vans. Uh, they wanted to be the next Tesla, but uh, that has not done well for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, they made pricing missteps and fell short of growth targets, and its stock price has dropped 82%. Mm. Uh, so that is a, a big part of that for them. They lost mm-hmm. $2.7 billion last year. Very small scale for a lot of these tech companies, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, their holiday sales still grew this year, so mm-hmm. yeah, there you go for that. That's not weeping for them at all. Mm-hmm. They can go to hell like every other big tech company. Yeah, yeah. Um, speaking of tech, Paramount Plus, and and as you, if you probably haven't figured out now, we're thoroughly into the entertainment portion of the show. Um, This one is about Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus is integrating with Showtime, and it's going to be named Paramount Plus with Showtime, which is just... Great job. Yeah. Probably spending... Yeah. Awesome. Tons of money on that name. Good work. (laughs) Applause. Uh, Proud of you. A service nobody gives a shit about merging with another service nobody gives a shit about. Yeah. To give it a name that tells you you should not give a shit about this. Yeah. Uh, that's that's Paramount Plus. Mm-hmm. Uh, nobody really gives a shit about it. Except when <sighs> they have a new Star Trek thing on there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Showtime has a couple of interesting things, but that's not one you should pay like regular money for either. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they're going to do anything to it. It's like change pricing or anything. Mm-hmm. It doesn't necessarily seem like that. At least yet. Mm-hmm. They got the name. Yeah, I guess they yep. canceled a bunch of their shows. Let the Right One In, American Gigolo, mm-hmm. scrapping the upcoming Shailene Woodley drama Three Women, mm-hmm. which is going to go elsewhere. So they're having fun. Mm-hmm. It's uh, a whole fun time for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, yeah, next up, Peacock, and yet another one of those streaming services. It has decided to officially shut down its free tier for new subscribers. Yep. Uh, the free ad-supported tier has been shut down, I think, as of uh, the end of the month, January. Mm-hmm. They stopped allowing new lo- new users to sign up for the free tier. To get Peacock, you'll have to pay either free five bucks a month for the premium plan with ads or 10 bucks for the premium plus without ads. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you don't know about Peacock, how they've been doing, I believe they've taken a huge bath on their mm-hmm. finances Yeah, uh, for this service. Like they're easily the one losing the most money out of everybody mm-hmm. because they're spending a lot of money on content and all that. Mm-hmm. And it's not paying off really. Uh, they're doing pretty well on users, but as you heard, five bucks or ten bucks. Mm-hmm. They're not bringing in that much money. Yeah. Uh, the free tier was largely like you got to watch some legacy stuff, but a lot of the newer stuff. It's like mm-hmm. you can watch the first episode. That's all you get unless you want to pay up. Mm-hmm. And it's like that's not a great service there. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, seems like you get most of your value with Peacock is if you get a free uh, subscription through your, you know, ISP or phone provider or whatever. Mm. But yeah, it's like, how much are you going to pay for to watch The Office again? Mm-hmm. That kind of stuff. Though they do have Poker Face is like their the new show that's really good. The the Ryan mm-hmm. Johnson show with Natasha Leone. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they got some some decent stuff there. Just not not a overall offering that entices anybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, there you go for that. Yeah, and uh, now we got a couple of. Uh stories. Uh, First and foremost, Netflix has claimed that the new password sharing restrictions were announced by accident. So yeah, uh, you've probably heard that Netflix is trying to crack down on people sharing passwords. um, Because Netflix is going to Netflix, I guess. And they uh, said, no, 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 no. That was by accident. We're not doing it just yet. At least not here. They're Backpedaling, backpedaling, yeah. backpedaling, yeah. It seems to be the new thing of being like, oh, this detailed announcement we put out, that was accidentally published. Uh, we didn't really mean that. So, mm-hmm. uh, we'll uh, take a look at that and probably fire the guy that hit the post button. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the, the plan was initially that you had to log on uh, to the internet, the same Wi-Fi network every 31 days, essentially mm-hmm. banning accounts that uh, were shared by people that did not live together, which includes a lot of living situations. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, people in long distance relationships, families that live long distance, uh, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's not like uh, back in the day they uh, promoted that kind of thing of like, oh, get to the part of the relationship where you're sharing passwords mm. kind of thing. But yeah, they seem like they are uh, not going to do this for the time being mm-hmm. uh, because tons of people said like, Hey, this is going to be the end of some of these people uh, subscribing. Mm-hmm. I think the process for like being more of a legit thing was like, you know, pay an extra buck or two for each you know extra household. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's what they're actually doing or what was going to be the plan or if it's just purely, you, you all need to be on the same Wi-Fi, which would start to get people to look into how to spoof Wi-Fi mm-hmm. stuff for the other people, which is like, that's not even worth it at that point. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there you go. Yeah. And um, yeah, but on better news, Netflix has said that they're renewing that 90 show for a second season. So that's happening. Yeah. It's doing pretty well, mm-hmm. uh, especially for, uh, a service that 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 seventy show was a big deal for them. Mm-hmm. I sort of continued to be a big deal for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, this was uh, one of the top ten English TV shows for mm-hmm. the let's see, at least thirty five countries, more than forty one million view hours viewed. So it's done pretty well for them. Mm-hmm. So they're going to at least do a second season. Hopefully, they get to keep doing. Because mm-hmm. I think it would be fun. Uh, they started in 95. I think they would be going into at least the fall of 95. Um, they can get to 1999. September 9th, 1999, when Star Wars Episode One came out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and have uh, Eric deal with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
And uh, yeah, so there's that. Also, we got some stories from Hulu. Uh, first and foremost, they are renewing their show Hit Monkey for a second season. So good on them, yeah. I guess. That's like one of the the recent Marvel things they've done on Hulu that has stuck. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least enough to get a second season. Seems to be yeah. pretty well done. Uh, so that's cool. Mm-hmm. And this was a big one. They officially ordered for Survival of King of the Hill. So that's yep. actually happening now. Yeah, it's got Mike Judge and Greg Daniels back. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, a bunch of people returning. All the major voice actors are returning. Mm-hmm. Kathy Najimy, Stephen Root, Pamela Adlon, Johnny Hardwick, Lauren Tom. Obviously, Mike yeah. Judge will also be voicing his characters. Yeah. Uh, who is it that voices Bobby? Uh, that is Pamela Adlon. Okay, so she's coming back? Yeah. Okay, so I guess Bobby is still going to be stuck as a teenager again. Maybe. I don't know. They haven't talked about anything story-wise. If they're going to move them forward, uh, maybe age them up a little bit, or if they're they going should. to... They should. Let the poor kid grow up. Yeah. But also they stopped after Season 7 of having any sort of aging. Yeah. Like, that's what uh, I said. It's like... After season seven, he basically remained a perennial, you know, sort of early teenager for years after that. It's like the poor kid, like they're going to keep the poor kid going through puberty for eternity. Like, yeah, that's when they they stopped like the the serial nature of the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, outside of uh, Luann having a baby, mm-hmm. like that's the only real thing they changed. Yeah, there, but yeah, and I think else. you know, and then I mean, you know, at one point, Cotton died, that happened, yeah. Um, and I think that's about it. Um, but uh, yeah, so that is happening. I'm excited to see what they're gonna do with it because I love that show, yeah. Um, and somebody went and did the stats that uh, the University of Texas football was mm-hmm. much more successful during King of the Hills run mm-hmm. than they were the, I think the 13 years before or after. Mm-hmm. So they definitely need this show to come back. Mm-hmm. It obviously inspired everybody uh, mm-hmm. in that university. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there you go. Also people just like Hank Hill. Like he yeah. just, he's overall a good character. Like, he's very, you know, conservative and set in his ways, but he's not an asshole about it. And he's willing to grow and change as an individual and admit when he's wrong. You know? Of course, people are like, oh, what do you voted for Trump? And it's like, no. I mean, he he hated New Yorkers. Yeah. Especially con men like that. Yeah, I mean, do you know just the number of plot devices in that show of a bunch of, like, northerners coming down and trying to be slick and con a bunch of what they think are dumb country yokels. Yeah. Even no. though he was born in Yankee Stadium. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, um... Also, Gladiator is getting a sequel. Why? Why is Gladiator getting a sequel? It doesn't need a sequel. Spartacus is dead. It doesn't need a sequel. Because Ridley Scott wants to do it. And people let him do stuff, I guess, for some reason. Yeah. Because if they're not going to let him do another alien, then he has to do Gladiator, I guess. Yeah. Just 
God damn it. I was like, that movie was popular for its time, but yeah, I don't know what your your sequel is. Get new ideas, goddammit. Yeah, especially interesting ones versus let's do a sequel to Gladiator. Yeah. Just, oh well, anyway. Not like Ridley Scott has a ton of amazing movies to sequel, mm. sequelize. It's like Alien and that was it. Well, he had Blade Runner, but... Yeah, but that's gotten a sequel and a series I think they're going to do. Yeah. So that's already gotten its things. Yeah. Also, uh, HBO has officially canceled... Well, it's HBO Max. Canceled Pennyworth, The Origins of Batman's Butler after three seasons. Gee, I wonder why. Yeah, it's like nobody gives a shit. Yeah, they even had to change the name to that to remind you this still has something to do with Batman. Mm-hmm. Uh, but nobody gave a shit at three seasons. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's another DC thing that's gone. Mm-hmm. They've been making a big, big deal about their, their rebirth of the DC movie universe thing. Mm-hmm. Like a new Superman and all this, but we have to see actual things come out before we care about any of that. Mm-hmm. Like they're still letting the Batman get a sequel. That's mm-hmm. not changing. And I guess Ezra Miller's Flash is still going on. Yeah. Because they can't do anything mm-hmm. that gets that canceled. Mm-hmm. They've apparently invested too much into that to mm-hmm. let it go away. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Um, and finally, the last story for the night, we got an official trailer for Netflix's We Have a Ghost. Yeah, this is a, I believe this is a movie, uh, a fun-looking movie, uh, about a family that moves into a new home mm-hmm. and finds out that there's a ghost uh, here that's been living there, tied there, named Ernest, uh, played by David Harbour. Mm-hmm. Uh, David Harbour with a comb-over. Yeah. Uh, so he's got, like, a, obviously, like, a wig on. Um, But then they manage to, like, capture him doing stuff on their phones and posting it to social media mm-hmm. and then becomes a big deal. And then the CIA wants to capture the ghost because mm. of course the government wants control of this ghost mm. to find out what, what all is going on with him. Mm-hmm. So it seems like a very silly uh, action movie kind of thing mm-hmm. going on. Cause he's a ghost. So he can run through, uh, you know, walls and such, uh, all that kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. they do a lot of fun little bits here. But yeah, this will be out. Let me see, February twenty fourth. So a couple more weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, that looks like a pretty fun one. Yeah, that's you like your David Harbor. Yeah, yeah. So, all right. I do believe we've actually got ourselves a show, folks. Yes, we do. We got ourselves a show. So. I would like to remind all of our listeners, if you got a question, comment, or something you want us to read on the air, you can get in contact with us at letsweekenders at gmail.com. That's letsweekenders at gmail.com. we got a link for you in the show notes. Also, on top of Apple Podcasts, you can catch our little bit of unscripted shenanigans at TuneIn, Google Play, RSS, Archive.org, or just any kind of podcast aggregator you can think of. So, with that, I, we are going to go ahead and wind it down here. 
Uh, thank you very much for listening to us. Always thanks to Chris for joining me. Um, and yeah, if you liked what you heard, don't uh, you know hesitate to share it with your friends, family, or hated enemies who you know may or may not you know curse you, but might end up liking us. You know, and you know we're not the splash zone, so why the hell would we give a shit? Um, also, uh, maybe we can all stop being afraid of balloons for a while. Just a thought. Bring back Balloon Kid. Yeah, bring back Balloon Boy. Yeah, that was fun. Remember Balloon Boy? Yeah, when everybody scammed out of that. Yeah, yeah, Balloon Boy. Um, but uh, yeah, that also happened. <laughs> Good night, everybody. <laughs>